my wife, not to be outdone, said you did not mention potluck next Sunday. And it is on the announcement notes right there. Come on out to our potluck and have a good time. We will enjoy it. <laughs> Genesis chapter 22. Abraham, he has heard God's voice. And he's heard God say to him probably the hardest words any man could ever hear. Take Isaac, your only son, whom you love, and go to Mount Moriah and offer Isaac to me as a burnt offering. Abraham has also heard God tell him that through Isaac, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars and nations would come out of Isaac. So here Abraham has the promise of God through Isaac, but he also must trust God now who is giving the promises. He must trust the promiser. Way too often us Christians use our logic versus our trust in God to be obedient. Critics of God, those that do not know God, they would be very quick to question Abraham about this. Obviously, Abraham, you haven't heard God correctly because God would never ask you to sacrifice your son. Are you sure you've heard God correctly, Abraham? After all, Isaac is that son of promise. Which brings us to the question, has God ever asked you to do something contrary to the wisdom of man? If he hasn't, he will. Because that's where faith enters, and that's how we please God. Several times in the Old Testament, we have God demonstrating his strength, almost, if you will, setting the odds against himself and against his people in their obedience to him. All you have to do is read about uh, Gideon in the book of Judges. God takes Gideon and takes several thousand of his uh, soldiers and reduce them down to 300, from thousands to 300. And then he's a go up against the Midianites and the Malachites, who are many, many thousands of troops. And God does this, why? Because he wants to show Israel, he wants to show the world that he fights for Israel. And God defeats the Amalekites and the Midianites. And God does it with 300 men. And God receives all the glory and the honor in that situation. How about David and Goliath? You know, we all study that in, in our children's church and so forth. But David's brothers have went to David and said, What are you doing? You can't fight Goliath. Go home and tend the sheep where you belong. 
thanks, brothers, you know, thanks for that word of encouragement. But God gives David the very head of Goliath, the giant. And now we read where God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son. Again, man's wisdom would cry out, don't be stupid, Abraham. Isaac is your son of promise, your only son. And God uh, wants you to offer Isaac. We don't think so, Abraham. But the offering of Isaac is a one-time event in the Old Testament. It's never to be repeated because God is setting an example there with Abraham and Isaac of how he will offer his own son as a sacrifice on the cross and a sacrifice for the whole world for, for that matter. But people don't understand what God asked Abraham to do. A columnist for the Los Angeles Times, Jack Smith, he wrote uh, concerning Abraham being commanded to sacrifice Isaac, and he wrote, I would have told God to mind his own business. That's the wisdom of the world. So let's look again at chapter 22, verses 1 through 19 of Genesis, as we read this story, this saga of Abraham and uh, God testing Abraham. 22 uh, chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he says, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb, a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then it came to the place that God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And they said, Do not lay your hand on the lead or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. 
Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessings, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendant as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. We looked last week at, at worship, and we looked at worship in a, in, in a little deeper fashion. And worship is to give to or honor God with all of your being. Verse 5 there, Abraham declares by faith, he says, the lad, speaking of Isaac, and I will go yonder and worship, and then we will return to you. This is worship, and it's coupled along with resurrection faith, and it's all demonstrated by Abraham before the slaying of Isaac, supposedly. We also read that Isaac asked, he, he says, Dad, where is the lamb? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. We have no resistance by Isaac when he even realizes that he is that lamb. And that's what makes Isaac a type of Christ in the Old Testament. No resistance. Isaac willing to lay down his life. And then in verses 9 through 12, we read of God stopping Abraham from harming Isaac. Abraham has bound Isaac, has tied him up. And the only reason I can understand this is because Isaac is a type of Christ who was bound and also beaten. They bound Jesus, put a hood over his head, and they beat him, hit him with their fist, asked him to prophesy who it was that hit him. And Isaac has to be that willing sacrifice also for this typology to be real. Verse 12, God who has complete knowledge of the past, of the present, and of the future, God has said to Abraham, now I know you fear God. Did God just learn that Abraham feared him? No. God knew all along. But this is one of those times where Scripture is written for our understanding. This is one of those times where God gives us insight into what's going on there. Before God tested Abraham, God knew the outcome. He knew. He knows all. 
Nothing is a surprise to God. He can learn nothing. He knows all. But for this to be a valid test, for this to be a real test for Abraham, Abraham cannot know the outcome. And when we read this passage, and when, if you can remember the first time you ever read this passage, we don't know the outcome until we read of the outcome. But God tested Abraham, verse 1 there. To me, this is the most severe test for a man in all of Scripture. And here's the good news. Abraham passed the test with flying colors. That gives us hope. When asked by God to do something extraordinary, to do something that people will not understand, we have the assurance that God was with Abraham to strengthen him, that he will strengthen us. And that is encouraging. But God was not willing for Abraham to slay Isaac. Remember, it's a test. And Abraham passed the test. But Abraham had to be willing. He had to have resurrection faith in God for him to be willing he had to have faith that declared God will raise Isaac from the dead even though God requires me to now slay him Abraham had to believe that or he would have never went on or forward with this sacrifice so how does resurrection of faith affect us. Abraham has it. For us to be saved, for us to have salvation, for us to be born again, we have to have resurrection faith. Now, maybe you've never looked at it that way, but in John 3.15, our Lord says, whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have ever, or eternal life, not everlasting life, and to have eternal life, you've got to believe Jesus is alive. You've got to believe that he is, in fact, resurrected. You've got to believe that he is your Savior that has overcome death. Hebrews 11.6 tells us we must believe that Jesus is. We've got to believe that he is alive. We have to believe that he is God or else he's not Savior. Only a resurrected Savior, only Jesus has defeated death. Only Jesus is worthy of our faith for eternal life. Only Jesus. No other religious leader has ever come, overcome death. Only Jesus. And Abraham, he has to believe God will raise Isaac or he could never be up there on that mountain offering to sacrifice him. He couldn't do it. He has faith that God can and will resurrect Isaac. Abraham, about to slay Isaac, and he hears the voice from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. 
Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to harm him. Don't you know Abraham was glad to hear that voice? <laughs> Isaac was probably glad too, but anyway. But God says to him, for now I know. And the whole world knows, Abraham, yourself included, that you will not spare your only son, Isaac, from me. And we have a very, what I call, difficult principle here to understand. It's hard to understand sometimes. And the principle is, our God requires that we love him above everything else. God requires that. That is what they call the Jewish Shema. The Shema is simply love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body. All of your being love God. And you can't put family above him. Abraham wasn't allowed to. His only son he has to offer. And if Abraham's love for God, if it is not complete, there is no way he is up on that mountain willing to offer Isaac. It's that simple. But the willingness of Abraham to sacrifice Isaac is the epitome of obedience and what we would call tough love. There are times when we're called on to show tough love. Especially if you're a parent, you must exercise tough love. My dad used to tell me, son, this whooping's going to hurt me more than you. Right, dad. <laughs> you're not on the receiving end of that. As a father, I understand that a little bit. It's hard to discipline a child sometimes. People, and I think this is people that don't know our Lord, who have this warm, fuzzy feeling about how God is a God of love. They never seem to understand that love is doing the best for someone else regardless. Regardless if it's painful. Regardless if it costs me something. Regardless if it hurts their feelings. To love someone in God's way of loving is doing the best for them regardless. And you cannot. I don't think you can be a good parent unless you're willing to show tough love. And that always seems to require discipline. Show me a parent that will not discipline their child and I will show you a parent that does not love their child. It's that simple. Scripture, time and again, it talks about how a father, a loving father, will correct his children. Now, as a grandparent, I try my best not to interfere with my children, discipline, and my grandchildren. Of course, they don't do it right, but hey, <laughs> they're doing the best they can. <laughs> And it's hard not to interfere. 
God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, who is an obedient child. Wow, Isaac has done no wrong here. And yet God calls upon him to sacrifice Isaac. And then God provides for Abraham and Isaac a ram, a male lamb that's caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham is relieved that he doesn't have to slay his son. And he's pleased now to offer God that ram that has been caught in the thicket instead of his son. And Abraham names the place, this little area where this is going on, where the altar is there, the Lord will provide. What an appropriate name. But can you imagine for a moment now the change of heart that Abraham and Isaac have in their worship towards God? Their worship has changed from doing this unpleasant requirement of God to worship of praise and thanksgiving. They're so grateful now that God has provided this lamb and it doesn't have to be Isaac. And so it's a complete turnaround in their worship towards God. And now they worship God with a totally different flavor, a different attitude. Worship now is full of joy and thanksgiving. So let's read the last uh, three verses there, or 16 through 18 again. And this is a key because God is now well pleased with Abraham and Isaac. And let's read what God wants to do. God said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessings I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because... Don't miss that. Because you have obeyed my voice. God says, I swear, I declare by myself that I am pleased with Abraham and I am pleased with Isaac. And in God's makeup and in his character, he now must bless them. It's like God is so happy, so pleased that he must do something for Abraham and Isaac now. Because they've been obedient. So how does God bless them? How does God bless Abraham and Isaac? First of all, they're already wealthy. He gives them more wealth. <laughs> you don't have quite enough. I'm going to give you more. <laughs> And he pours more riches upon them. In, in chapter 21, Abimelech and Phicol, his commander, they have observed that God is with Abraham in all that he does. So other people have seen that God blesses Abraham. And now God's going to bless him more. 
because in this test, Abraham has withheld nothing from God, not even his only son. Therefore, God, desiring to show his pleasure towards Abraham, he just blesses him more. And it's riches, by the way. Riches can be a great blessing. But Abraham's obedient, it releases God's blessings towards him completely. The principle of God blessing obedience, that should be a, a real refrigerator sticker for us, you know. Obey God, receive blessings, <laughs> you know. Obedience, because of obedience, God now blesses Abraham more than he's ever been blessed. And it should cause us to be completely obedient to God in all that we do. So a question arises, what are we clinging on to? What, if anything, is there between us and God? Is there any possession that you're not going to let go of? Are there finances that you're not willing to give over to God? Is there a relationship, perhaps, that you're not willing to let God be in control of? We would be wise to withhold nothing from God. Because obedience equals blessings. And how much does God bless Abraham and Isaac? So others notice. You ever been blessed to that point that others say, wow, you live a blessed life. I've had people say that. They come see my farm. <laughs> and it is a blessing. Without a doubt, it is a great blessing. But what an honor it is to be blessed so others notice God's blessings upon you but God isn't done because blessings only go so far and then God declares in multiplying I will multiply your descendants how much so as the stars of heaven or innumerable as the sand on the seashore innumerable and your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. Part of the multiplying spoken by God here is that in Christ, in the Messiah, who will be a descendant of Isaac, God is going to bless the whole world. Messiah is going to come through your lineage, Abraham and Isaac. But how about possessing the gates of your enemies? Really what that means is you will have authority over your enemies. You will rule and reign over them. To me, this speaks of the millennial reign of Christ, where the whole world is subject to our Lord. And we're told that we will rule and reign with Christ 
And that is yet future. That hasn't happened yet. And this very son, Isaac, who Abraham was asked of by God to sacrifice to him, is going to bring forth children, and these children are going to be a blessing to the whole world, mainly Jesus. Now, there's no greater joy for a parent than to know that his children walk with God and that his children are a blessing to others. We get a glimpse of this when we read about King David. King David, a descendant of Isaac, when he's told that he cannot build the temple of God, God tells him, but I'm going to bless you, David, and I'm going to let the Messiah come through your lineage. And David is just overwhelmed that his lineage, his descendants, will the Messiah will come forth. And it's more than David can handle. That to him is the greatest blessing that God could give him. And that's a great blessing for you and I in obedience, knowing that our lives will bless others. Obedience to God equals a life of blessing for those around us. So much so that other people notice that God's blessing is upon us. Because God says, I bless those who are obedient to me. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, I would pray that, Lord, I would be a man of faith and that these, your people, would be people of faith. That when commanded or given your word, we want to be obedient to your word. First and foremost, with a complete heart, with a pure heart towards you, Lord, we want to be obedient to you. We desire your blessings. And Lord, we want the world to notice that your pleasure is towards us, that you look upon us as obedient children. And how pleased you were with Abraham and Isaac, Lord, for not withholding anything from you. And we want to be found in that same camp, Lord. We want to be found being obedient to our Lord and to our God in all things. So by your spirit, help us when those times will come. Help us to be obedient, Lord. Help us to have a heart that desires to please you above everything. Thank you again, Lord, for Abraham and Isaac and uh, the beautiful example they are in the Old Testament, Lord, of you and your father. Let us live a life where others can notice your blessings upon us. 
We pray for this and ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.